You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Before we start, I'd love to give a shout out to the work being done right now by one of my previous guests, Claire Tchaikovsky and her team at Human Milk. Running a non-profit is hard enough, but they're having to challenge the censorship they're facing as they try to raise awareness of the science behind breastfeeding. If you'd like to see how they're creatively taking on the big guys, head over to human-milk.com and check out the Sunblue mural and documentary crowdfunder. Today, I'm talking to Jason Butler, creator of the Village Mindset Model for Businesses. We get right into the nitty gritty of why trust, courage, and compassion are essential aspects of leadership and why, despite your best intentions, your company is not a family. Jason, I know you are working with a lot of organizations about uh, trying to help them to understand why belonging is so important for their work and for their employees and for their productivity. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about how you help them to come to terms with this, how you help them to roll this out? And then... I guess the next question after that will be, how can you tell if they've succeeded? Mm, that's a great question. I think, like you know, belonging is about feelings. And so that, that makes it difficult. It's about how do we feel about a situation that we're put into, whether that's family or life or business. And so when we talk about belonging, we kind of open up the, the psyche of humans. You know, no longer is it just about like business details or productivity. Mm-hmm. We're talking about humans human to human interaction. And, and so that, that, that gets hard. And so what I do really with organizations is, is help people to be compassionate to one another, help to raise the mm-hmm. empathy level, help executives to increase emotional intelligence. And, you know, I do a lot of that by a lot of it is convincing you like this is good for you, right? I mean, like the, the, the question always for business people is like, what's in it for me? It's the wrong question, mm, but mm-hmm. that's always the first question. What's in it for me? What's the ROI on this? And so right now we're seeing in the great resignation, right? It, like employees are leaving like crazy. And every stat you see is, why are they leaving? They're, people are leaving jobs without other jobs lined up because we've mm-hmm. awakened. Like I, you know, we look at COVID and I think we went, I mean, we went through a trauma and we were isolated and we're now putting our life back together and we're saying things are got to be different. I'm not going to work in a toxic workplace. I'm not going to be stressed all the time about my work. I, I'm not going if I, if I if I don't want to go on Monday, like that's a bad sign. So I help people understand like this is good for you. If you treat people like humans, if you're compassionate to one another, if you empower one another, if you support one another, that has massive implications. And all the studies show it: improve, improved productivity, improved retention, improved acquisition, and, and, and improved profits just everywhere across the board. And so, like for me, I work a lot with executives to help them understand that of like this is best for you because you're gonna your company will prosper, and when your company prospers, you're gonna prosper. And like you, you get the credit for this, right? You're gonna take the credit for it. And so that that's really how I come into an organization and help them. I mean, I, I hate to say skill up, but 
but really help them to understand how important belonging is in mm. the future where we're going in the future of leadership. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm just when I'm listening to you there um, and thinking about this idea of empathy and human connection and so on, these are intangibles. These are not quantifiable things that we can put on um, a figure sheet. But as you say, we, we can connect them to things like people resigning, people leaving, people expressing satisfaction in their work. So I guess those are metrics, even if they are not the hardest, most numerical of metrics, they are mm-hmm. still metrics that people can use. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there is a growing acceptance of these softer metrics? Yeah. Uh, right now, like I, I was writing the other day and I was like, here's the bad news. Everything is changing. But here's the good news. Everything is changing. And so mm. right now we have the opportunity for those leaders that can, can want to navigate it and want to change there's a massive opportunity because people are willing to try anything. Everything's on the table right now because mm. the executives and HR departments are like, we don't know what to do. Like we've never seen this before. We we're not equipped to deal with this. So we don't know what to do. So there is a greater acceptance of this connection between a kind of a toxic bosses, toxic workplace being not treated well and people are leaving and lack of productivity. And I think all that, you know, we, we're becoming a lot more aware as a society and we're making a lot more connections, especially younger mm-hmm. generation are making a lot more connections and they're willing to say, this is why I'm leaving. I'm leaving because mm-hmm. of that person <laughs> and yeah. I'm out. And so I think that, that the science, the, you know, we have so much more data and we are data driven now. So we're always looking for the data. What, what, what does the data say about this? And, you know, I, I don't, I don't make that data. But the people that do are making these connections. So I think there is a great, great openness to this idea of how important belonging is into a workplace. Mm. Yeah. And for quite a lot of people listening to this will be, um, you know, they're the sort of people who are starting their own things. They are the sort of people who are putting cultures together Mm. for, you know, rolling out the best that they can deliver for the teams that they're going to build. So where would you tell them to focus their attention to start right with this and to get it right from the outset? Mm. I, for, for me, it really starts in empowerment. And and so how do we, and it's like, well, what does that mean, right? Um, empowerment to me is really connected to this idea of servant leadership. And mm. that's, that's not just like, hey, I'm going to bring my employees some coffee today and I'm serving them. <laughs> no, no. Servant leadership to me is I'm going to seek, I'm a leader that's going to seek your best interests. And I'm a leader mm-hmm. who's going to use the influence and power and position that I have for you. So how can I help you? And so when we, when we're like when we're creating teams of, of a leadership that we create a team and you're like, we're all working together, right? On this one project, you're working for me and we're working on this project, but I'm going to work for you. And I'm also mm-hmm. going to help you succeed. And I'm going to help you thrive. I'm going to help you get the tools that you need to, like the education, the development. I'm going to help mm-hmm. increase your leadership. I'm going to network you to my community so that you can build your influence and your network out in the world. And in the, and the more I do that, the more excited you're going to get about working on this project and the more trust mm-hmm. that we're going to gain for one another. And then like creativity happens, right? Like that's when, when people feel comfortable and trusting and empowered when they feel seen and valued, create our brains now pop open and creativity. So yeah. for leadership, 
Like the more we empower our people to be the best, truest versions of themselves and to succeed, the more that we're going to get out of that. And the more that we're going to rise. So like we all rise in this scenario. Rise, rise, rise. I love it. Just win, wins all over the place. You mentioned a, a critical word, I think, here at this juncture, Jason, and that word is trust. Mm-hmm. And I think this is fascinating for, you know, m- maybe people who've come from an older culture where it's a top-down management system and you do what I say or, you know, that's old style way of getting things done, mm-hmm. which was more more stick than carrot, we'll say. So how how do you, how do you find trying to help people to shift that mindset to understand that trust is a new currency, that this is what we've got to work with yep. and what we've got to build on in order to go forward? Yep, absolutely. You know, for, for me, it's about the, the influence of a leader. You know, it's like I, I, you, every leader wants influence, right? They want to grow their influence because the more that they grow their influence, the more that, that, that the more access to society they're going to have, the more opportunities mm-hmm. that they're going to have. And so I love this book called The, um, the, Paradox, the Power Paradox. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's by um, Dosh, Dosh, I actually have it here, um, Dr. Keltner. And um, mm-hmm. he's a PhD at Berkeley, and he studied power for 20 years. Like, how, how, how does this work? How does power work? And his conclusion in this book, after 20 years of study, was we rise in power by helping other people, by, by mm-hmm. being the truest version, the best version of humans that we can be. That's who rise in society to positions of power and influence, whether it's business, whether it's politics, whether it's um, social organizations. The people that empower other people are the ones that become more powerful. The paradox, he Mm -hmm. says, is that almost all the time when people get to the top, they stop doing those things that got them there and they turn and give themselves to the dark side, let's say, you know, to to, to really (laughs) exploit people at that point instead of empowering people. And then that, and that's why we have embezzlement and, 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 and corporate, you know, crime and all these problems in society and corruption in politics because people stop doing the thing that got them there. He's like, that's the paradox of it. But like, that's a study of power. So if you want to gain power, empower people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, power is, is it is one of those words and it does have those connotations as well of, you know, that, you know, power corrupts were always told these kind of old stories about what it is. But surely that is not the the only way that power exists. Power exists in the collective. Um, and this is the other thing, I, I guess, that really fascinates me at the moment um, is, you know, how do you get people to switch from this idea that they are somehow competing, they're somehow jostling for what, you know, they've got to somehow retain what they've got and protect mm-hmm. what they've got and defend their little bailiwick. How, how do you help people to see beyond that? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have all the answers here, but the answer is, no <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did, right? I wish I did. It'd be a great podcast episode. But the, the, the thing that I do with people is I believe that we have memories and our brain, right? Right. Like, most, most of the time that our brains are working in primal mode, just survival, just we're so stressed. And so our brains are working in survival mode. And we're, th- we're, we're constantly thinking of who's out to get me. I don't have enough. They're, they're against me. I, I, I'm the only one that trusts me. Like, so that's our primal brain. But when I work, the first thing I do when I begin to work with executive leaders is I, I ask them, 
think about your the 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 best childhood memory you have. Everybody knows it. Everybody has that memory floating around in their head. For me, it's when I was I was a little boy. I was four or five years old, and I was collecting pine cones. We have pine cones all over here in North Carolina. Collecting pine cones in my red wagon, and I got stung on the hornet by on my ear by a hornet. And I remember this, and it was so painful. And my mom quickly scooped me up, and she took me inside and put a cloth on my ear and and just sat with me and told me everything's going to be. I remember this. I remember it vividly. It's one of the earliest memories I have. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm like, why do I have this memory? Why is it always in my head? Why does it keep repeating? Because mm-hmm. my Because it's my brain saying, this is when you felt loved. This is when you felt mm-hmm. safe. This is... This is what it means for you to be safe and valued. And I'm like, yes. So how can I give that to other people? How can Mm. I give this memory that is implanted in me? And how can I do that for other people? So when people are hurting, when they're in, in a situation where they're in pain, how can I come alongside and remind them that everything's going to be okay? That I'm there. Mm. I'm going to be here. Like that those. For me, like, let's unlock the power of our memories, the good memories, right? The, what our brain is, is reminding us is the best of us. And so that, that's the first thing I do. I, I, I call this, I mean, I don't know if people have different words for it, but I call this empathetic positioning. You know, made this word up, I guess. But like, it's positioning ourselves and our memories in a place where we're ready to release our empathy. So I, I do this with executive leaders of like, okay, before we start, Let's get our mindset in the right place to release empathy. Now, remember your greatest child. Remember that. How did you feel? You felt safe. You felt loved. And how are we going to do that for other people? Here's where we begin. This is the spot that we begin at this spot to help now give that feeling to other people. Now, how does it feel? Mm -hmm. Now, how does it feel for you when you do this? Ah, it feels good, doesn't it? You're laughing. You're smiling when you're helping other people. Why? Because that's the way your brain's designed to work. Your brain just released all the positive hormones through your vagus nerve, all throughout your body, everywhere. Your heart, your, your, your lungs, your intestines, your blood pressure is lower right now. You're feeling happier right now. You're digesting better. And get this, what happens when you operate in compassion? You speak better. You think clearer. This is all scientific back. Like this compassion is a superpower. And so release it. And it will be your greatest strength in business. And then, then we go forward. Now, you know, this is like, a, it's, I think this work is like owning a car. And, you know, when you get the oil changed, you, you're going to have to get it changed again, right? And you're going to have to get yeah. a checkup. This is something you got to always be working on all the time because mm-hmm. life is stressful. And you're going to go back to primal brain, it, right? It, you know, yeah. in three minutes, you're going to be back there. So you got to be intentional about it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we have we have habits and we have kind of little little shortcuts running in our brain that we have built up over an entire lifetime. And somehow people think that, you know, we can sort of just decide to change that and it will change. But it takes a little bit more than that. Um, and it takes rewiring. It, it does take mm-hmm. working with your neuroplasticity to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing as well, you know, we've talked about trust and we've talked about you know, moving forward from that, it does take a lot of courage to let go of the things that we have been and the ways that we have been and what we've always been taught about, you know, 
having to fight tooth and nail for things and having to succeed at all costs and, you know, always looking out for the, the next person coming along to take your job and all of those things. How, how do we foster courage for people? How do we get them beyond that line so that they can really engage and really innovate with other people and, you know, de- develop that compassion yeah. more? Because it's it's not necessarily, I mean, it sounds very common sense. It sounds very, we know it to, you know, at some level, we know that this has to be true, mm-hmm. but we are not necessarily equipped or conditioned for it right now. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I completely agree. And you know what I tell people, I think you're right on the the nose here in, in courage. And I tell, I tell folks like, I can't give you courage. No one, no one can give you courage. You can't, you can't develop courage in reading a book. You can't do it in a workshop. Your courage exists in your soul and it's there. It's there right now. You just have to, you just have to be willing to let it, to let it out. And mm. the way, the way that I think that, that this happens is that we have some leaders, inspirational leaders, early adopters that do this, that do this work. They're, they're just risk takers. They're already like already on the front forefront of, of everything. They're kind of groundbreaking individuals mm. and this is built in them and they do, they work in this way. And so let's point to them here. Look over mm-hmm. there. There's an example right there. And there's an example yeah. over there. And there's an example right there. And you see they're succeeding and they're succeeding and they're succeeding and they're succeeding. Go learn from them. Yeah, go go yeah. watch them. Go be them. And then that, like, ah, oh, I can see it in action. It is. I see it. And that, I think that builds our courage when we see other people operating in their courage. Yes. And of course, then we have, you know, psychological safety in the workplace and people actually feeling like they can mm-hmm. be be themselves, be vulnerable, be, you know, make mistakes, not worry too much about getting their heads chopped off if that yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. And of course, then we've got the other part of this puzzle, which is is the the modeling that you've just referred to, that what is at the top is what is it. There's a trickle down, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's what is at the top of an organization will very much be the, the the role model for everyone else there. That's right. They they set the tone of acceptability, don't they? That's right. Like I, I, I tell folks that uh, employees can't create culture. Like you can have great, you can have great employees and mm-hmm. you hire them and you hire a batch of them and they come in and this culture will grind them up in six weeks. Like, and, and they'll leave. Like it, it, it doesn't happen from the bottom. It doesn't happen from HR departments. It happens from the top. The executives mm-hmm. set the tone. The executives set what this organization will be about, what its mission will be, what its values will be, what its purpose will be, how we're going to interact with one another, because every employee is watching those executives all the time. And an HR department mm-hmm. can do a year's worth of belonging work. They can do a year's worth of training. Everybody can be on board. And an executive in one week in, in a series of bad interactions can blow it all up. And every employee will be like, I see what this is about. I see what this company yeah. is really about. And so it has to start at the top and work its way down. I totally agree. Mm. Yeah. So um, you, you've talked about the village mindset for organizations, um, Jason. That's a really interesting concept because, you know, we, we talk about that in terms of raising kids. So um, mm-hmm. I guess we're looking at this in terms of raising cultures as well. How how 
Can you give us a little bit of a, an insight into what you mean by it? Yeah, I think that we, we're going back to like our evolution, right? And we evolved in villages for the last 10,000 years at least. Uh, and so we we decided at some point we're not going to be nomads anymore in the history of, of humanity. And we're going to settle down and, and build communities. And there's positive of this and there's negatives of that in our in our evolution. And but that's what we're wired for. Like this version of humans that we see right now, we're wired for communal life in a village. And, you know, when we talk about belonging, it is it is sort of hard to get our mind around because it's about feeling. And like, well, what do we do here? I don't I don't I don't understand. But a village gives us a con like a, a mental tent pole. Oh, I understand a village. You understand a village. We we we've watched the PBS series, right? Uh, about villages. We we understand that what it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village. Yes. Yeah, so so for me, like this this gives a mental framework for mm-hmm. what we can mm-hmm. do as a, as a corporation, as a community. Like we talk about, you know, I, I hear this phrase sometimes, and it's like our you know our our company is a family, and I'm like, no, it's not. It is not a family. You lay that employee, if you laid an employee off, you're going to let them come live in your extra bedroom for three months until they find a new job? No, you won't. So you're not a family. So let's not talk about a family. You're not a family, mm. but you can be a village. And in a village, everybody is seen, everybody's known, and everybody is valued. And we're all working together collaboratively for the benefit of each other and for this collective village. And so I've uh, leadership principles around this to help leaders kind of engage in this work. Um, but for me, it creates this nostalgic sort of idea about our, our company and our role in here. Like we all have a place. We're all part of something. We, we all can move in and out of this thing. And it's, it's a beautiful and it makes us feel good, right? Like sometimes family can be hard. I mean, we all know mm-hmm. family can be hard and traumatic. Like, I don't even think that's the best image to use, like, for a company. Yeah, also, like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all kinds of loyalty things there as well. You know, what happens if someone leaves your family? That's, I mean, people right. move villages all the time, but you can't leave a family. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a much better metaphor. I really like the village metaphor um, for organizations. I think that's uh, definitely an upgrade to, to the whole um, family <laughs> metaphor. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. So, look, where would people um, go to find more about this and the work that you're doing, Jason? Yeah, so they could go to my website, which is mm. villagemindsetmodel.com. Um, mm-hmm. I'm releasing a book here in the next, probably in August, early August. And so that will mm-hmm. be out that people can, where I really talk about this, um, all the things I'm talking about in the village and our evolution and our biology mm-hmm. and compassion and gratitude. And then the principles around this and the impact that's going to make on an employee base and a leader. So I lay all that out in the book and that's hopefully going to come out in August. Uh, so that's been really exciting to work on. But really right now is, um, is my website, uh, villagemindsetmodel.com. Fantastic. Well, look, we'll put all of that into the notes as well so people can have it to refer to in case they're driving or whatever awesome. as they're listening. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. It's been uh, it's been a very interesting conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're still here? Great. 
Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. Thank you.